Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Amos, chapter 6, verse 1a and verse 4 through 7, Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verse 6 through 19, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, and Psalm 146. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whereas last week the gospel was very obscure and mysterious, this week it hits you over the head like a hammer. And when you put it together with the other two readings, there's no real like clear, there's no real mystery about what's going on here. These are some of the days where I just want to go, you heard it, now go do it and sit down. But then you'll think that I cheated and didn't prepare a sermon and, you know, the word will go around, we can't have that. (laughs) But it does feel that way, the clarity with which Jesus speaks today. And all of our scriptures are very clear to us that our pursuit of wealth actually condemns us. Not in some way where we're being punished, but in an effectual way, what happens within us in our lives. That if we pursue wealth above all things, that something corrupting happens within us. And this is scary for us. This is scary for me, because I pursue wealth. I mean, I might not look like it. I'm just a humble preacher in a suburban church, but I, like you, want security. I want safety. And I want to also, on top of security and safety, I want to just have some nice things. I want to enjoy myself. When, to, when it's describing like hanging out on ivory couches in the, in the uh, prophet Amos and, and having wonderful food, I'm like, I mean, that sounds kind of great. And all of the descriptions of what are, seem like luxury and sort of decadence, I'm like, I mean, just put 70-inch flat screen on there too. I want one of those, you know? I mean, you're just listing the things I want. But again, we have this repeated emphasis that our desire, our our need for wealth is actually something that tears us up. This isn't up for debate. And this isn't, by the way, some sort of like desire to be culturally relevant in 2022. These were written 2,000 and 3,000 years ago and our lectionary was put together by a much larger committee. We get these readings and they go, oh wow, they just happen to be relevant today. Because today, 2,000 and 3,000 years later, we are still struggling with the same concerns as our ancestors were. We want to be okay. We want to know that we are taken care of. We want to enjoy life. But also, our pursuit of that can sometimes make us forget about the people around us. And if we make the pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of power and the pursuit of luxury, if we make that the center of our lives then it's Hades and torment coming our way. Plain and simple. This is powerful on a number of levels for us. On one level, it's very powerful because, by the way, when Jesus talks about heaven and hell, he's not talking about people believing the right things or acting the right way or going to synagogue or going to church. He's literally talking about how we treat each other in this life. And he's not just talking about being kind to one another or being understanding and tolerant of one another. He is literally talking about the fact that we live in a space of deep 
inequity. And we are completely complicit in it. And this is Jesus talking 2,000 years ago. This isn't just an America problem or a Cincinnati problem. This is a human problem. Our desire to create a space that is safe for ourselves and to enjoy this life actually creates situations where we are completely disconnected from our neighbor and we completely are capable of turning a blind eye to those who need. We have a tendency to think that that's just because those are just those people who are bad people. Bad people would do that. Bad people wouldn't think about others. And I hope I never get so rich that I forget about other people, except that I am that rich right now. I forget about other people all the time as me. The reality is every single one of us can think about what we have and go, well, I could just have a little bit more. And I'd love to help others, and I'd love to bring them up and create a more equitable society, but I need to make sure that I'm okay first. Jesus speaks directly to us today when we get to that place. And we are definitely the ones to whom he is speaking. I want us to notice something about the rich man and Lazarus in Jesus' parable. Particularly, I want us to notice the rich man and his relationship to Lazarus. In this life, there's a gate that separates them. We know who built that gate. Lazarus, I mean, the rich man did. We know that. He built it on purpose so that he could have his space and be safe and feel comfortable in it and not be bothered by anything outside of it. We know that. But then he dies, and there's another unbreachable gate, and that is between Hades and heaven, between Abraham and where the rich man is being tormented. But what's really painful in this story, what's so painful to me, is that when the rich man looks up and sees Lazarus, the poor man, up there in heaven, being cradled by Abraham, he doesn't go, wow, I really screwed up. He also doesn't say, good for you, Lazarus. Wish I'd known how to treat you in this last life. Actually, He doesn't say anything to Lazarus at all, even in death. The rich man sees Lazarus and then immediately looks over to Abraham and says, Abraham, send Lazarus down to bring me some water or even just an ice cube. It's really hot down here. Can you send that guy that I ignored my whole life? Can you send him? Knows his name, by the way. Probably passed by him on the way in and out of his gate. Got to know him and felt pretty good about himself. I know Lazarus. I even know his name, he said as he let him live that way. But there he sees him again, knows him by name, but has nothing to do with him. Just looking at Abraham. Hey, Abraham, get Lazarus to serve me. I need to be served down here. I'm miserable. And what we realize is the truth of what Jesus is getting at and what all of our scriptures are getting at which is this pursuit of living in this particular way. I get that we have all sorts of excuses for it, but the reality is it creates a dehumanizing situation. We forget about the humanity of our neighbors. And particularly, I can't put a fine enough point on it because Jesus has already done it for us. Our neighbors who are poor 
our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, who know deep torment and uncertainty in this life, I know how to forget them and live my life as if they are not here. And this is deeply dehumanizing for both of us, not just them. My inability to recognize my connectedness to my neighbor dehumanizes me. I become less of what God has made me when I am not able to recognize the beauty, the belovedness, and the belonging of the poor people around me, of those who are experiencing suffering and pain. And when I decide that that's their problem and not mine, because I've got to take care of me, I am denying not only their humanity, but my own. Because to be human is to be connected to one another. Abraham, send that guy I've always known, send him down to help me. And Abraham's response is perfect. There is a chasm that is uncrossable between us that has been put up, he says, and this is great and ironic, of course, so that those who are here who want to go to where you are can't get there. And we realize that the gates he built in this life are still present in the afterlife. The fences that he put up between him, himself, and his neighbor are still present. Hell isn't some abstract punishment. It is God allowing us to live in the world that we've created. You want to live as if there is a great wall between you all, so be it. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. And we are meant to ask then, what walls do we put up? What walls do we put up? What things do I create to keep myself from knowing you and to keep you from knowing me? What kind of protection do I create for myself, from others, so that I don't have to see your suffering and wonder about it and how it's connected to me? so that I can feel safe and secure in my own space. Those walls we create do not just separate us from the suffering, they separate us from each other's humanity and connection. There is, believe it or not, fantastically good news in this reading. And I know you're like, oh good, because I didn't see it. But it's there. It is couched in sarcasm because we're dealing with cranky Jesus today. And cranky Jesus shows up all throughout uh, all of the Gospels, but especially in Luke, whenever he's talking to the Pharisees and whenever he's talking about social inequity, Jesus gets super cranky. It's the thing he gets the maddest about actually is us not treating each other with equity and, and fairness. So, but it's there. The good news is there. The rich man continues to sort of beckon Abram, Abraham to like, go get Lazarus to do some things for me. Hey, could you raise Lazarus up from the dead? He says, not because that would be good for him so he could enjoy life again and maybe have a different life, so he could go check in on my family and let them know not to be so terrible because I'm worried about them. Even here, he cannot help himself. How can Lazarus serve me and my needs? 
And Abraham says, well, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the law and the prophets. They have the book. They got the writings. They've got the traditions. They've got the culture. They know all this. And he says, nah, yeah, but how cool would it be if you raised someone up from the dead and then that person who'd been raised from the dead rang their doorbell and was like, I got some news from God. And I'm one of those people who's like, oh yeah, that would totally, I, I'm in, that would, right? If like a zombie showed up at my door and was like, we got to talk about your wealth, I'd be like, okay, I'm listening. This is serious, right? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I love this. And obviously, very clearly, again, this is not one of his subtle stories. Jesus, who's going to die and be raised again, tells this story where Abraham says, if they don't see it with Moses and the prophets, not even someone raised from the dead will convince them this is real. If they don't understand based on all that's right in front of them, that they are deeply connected to one another and that their lives are made for one another and that every single person belongs to the God that made them. If they don't see it already, then not even someone being raised from the dead is going to convince them. And 2,000 years later, we are proof of that. But here is the good news couched in there. Abraham in this par parable is saying, and Jesus is saying, everything we need to know about this is already here. All that you need, you already have. We are a people who are always hoping that one more thing can happen so we can finally get it. We're looking around the corner. We're looking down the road. We are searching for the thing that will help us finally feel safe enough to open our hearts to the people around us. And Jesus is saying, you actually can open your heart right now. You can live your life for one another now. You don't need someone to be raised from the dead to understand that you belong to God. You don't need someone to be raised from the, under, from the dead to understand that those around you belong to God fully and totally. We have everything we need to participate in the life that God has made for us. We have it right now. We don't need one more dollar to make it happen. We don't need a little bit more wealth, a little bit more luxury, a little bit more comfort. We don't even need more safety or security right now as we are in our frail bodies and our ridiculous lives and our desire for goodness, but our, our fear and our, our concern, our uncertainty, our worry, our being tired, our being our filled with wonder, our hope, our dream, all of the things that are within us. But right now in this moment, we have been given one another by God. We belong to each other right now, utterly. And nothing can take that away. This is the great gift God has given us, each other. Now let's love each other. We have all that we need to tear down the walls that separate us. We have all that we need to begin to live life as if we truly belong to one another. All that we need is here. All the love, all the life, all the beauty is here for us. This is the gift that God gives us. And this is the good news of this gospel. It reminds us that we don't need just one more thing before we are able to love. We 
We can be human now. We can see others' humanity now. We can live into that love with what we have now.